Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. This is episode number 58, Quilt Festival 2016 in Pieces, recorded on November 3, 4, and 8. See, get the title in pieces and piecing for quilts. Ha ha ha. Anyway, hi. My name is Julie Fafan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Schubalzer. Hi, Mom. Hello, Julie, and I'm going to apologize in advance. I've developed some kind of little cough. And so periodically you may hear me coughing or stopping and then starting, muting, whatever. It just means that Julie will have to do even more of the talking than she normally does, which I don't think will be difficult. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. So first we're going to actually throw it back a couple of days and we're going to start with what we recorded on November 3rd. This is day two of Quilt Festival. I'm here in Houston. And uh, so I'm tired. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I can hear that your voice also sounds a little rough. Yeah, it does. I'm going with a very, uh, you know, throaty, sexy smoker voice here. Um, yeah, no, I've been uh, losing my voice without question. I think any voice teachers I ever had in high school or college are going to be deeply disappointed that apparently I'm uh, speaking from my throat. And not from, you know, my diaphragm or something to maintain my voice. Um, but yeah, so Quilt Festival, for anyone who doesn't know what it is, is um, it's CHA but for retailers is, a, I guess, a good way of describing it. But it's not even that. It's so much more. So it's uh, tons and tons and tons and tons of aisles of things to buy and then tons and tons and tons of aisles of the most amazing quilts you've ever seen in your entire life. Um, it also involves a ton of classes by huge celebrity, uh, obviously like quilting celebrities, not like George Clooney's teaching a class, um, you know, quilters and just all sorts of really interesting stuff, lectures, et cetera, et cetera. So there are many people who come every year. It's like a pilgrimage that they make to see. So all the major sewing machine companies are here. Everything you ever wanted in quilting templates and rulers. And I'm trying to think what they don't have, mats and lights. And then, of course, there's other stuff because we're ladies, shoes and clothes and jewelry and all kinds of stuff. Um, and so I am working in the brother booth. Um, technically it's the all brands booth, but, um, it is the brother booth at the show and I'm demonstrating the scan and cut. And one of the new additions this year, this is maybe my third year coming to quilt festival. And this year, one of the new additions is they have a little stage with a video camera. And like, so three times today I had to do a half hour show. So that's a half an hour of nonstop talking. And even though there's a mic and stuff, I think that really is straining of the voice and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think the biggest issue is, so the open hours are 10 a.m. until 7 p.m. 10 a.m. until 7 p.m. So that's the amount of time that you are demoing and essentially answering the same question over and over again. And one of the issues that I have is that I think they, um, it's just such a long amount of time that, you know, having patience with people is really important because as they always say, like, this is the first time that they've asked that question, even though you've heard it every single time. And so it's like I put a smile on my face and every time I remember it's their first time. So it has to be as good as it was, you know, on Wednesday at four o'clock or five o'clock as it is, you know, on Sunday at four o'clock. It needs to be the same, same spiel. Um, but I know that it's time for me to take a sanity break when somebody asks me, you know, 
that question and I feel like, are you doing this on purpose? Are you doing this to hurt me? <laughs> and then you realize, no, they're not doing it to hurt you. It's a, it's a real question that they have. So um, then what I usually do is I take the longest route humanly possible to the bathroom. Ah, the um, sanctuary. Yes. Take the longest route humanly possible to the ladies' room. Um, wait in the ladies' room line. I mean, that's another thing about Cold Festival is everything is lines. Everything is lines. I probably wait in line for half an hour today for the pleasure of buying, you know, lunch and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, but that is a moment when I don't mind it. And one of the interesting things is so the vendor area is very loud. Because everybody is talking, lots of people are mic'd, there's whooping and screaming for giveaways, there's all kinds of stuff. It's just loud, right? There are videos playing, yada, yada, yada. When you walk into the quilt exhibition halls, it's like walking into a church. Hmm. And I mean that with some reverence. Well, It's silent, it's cavernous, there's this beautiful art. I mean, it's like walking into a beautiful old church and you see the stained glass windows and you have a moment where you just look up at the painted ceiling and you're looking at the stained glass. And the same thing is true. And it's like you just, I I felt several times a moment of calm when I walked into the quilt hall to go to the bathroom because I was like, oh my gosh, it's silent. It's, you know, it just feels reverent. I don't know how else to put it. So that was like my own midi meditation is walking that way. Isn't this also an international festival? It is. I mean, there's people from all over the world. Um, Japanese quilters, if you're not aware of the things about quilting, are sort of legendary around the world for their amazing precision and just like stunning things that they're able to do. Um and so uh, some of the best quilts I've ever seen in pictures come out of shows in uh, Japan. I'd love someday to see a Japanese quilt show. Um, but so, but there are people from all over the world from uh, name a country. There's probably somebody here. I, I used a little bit of my terrible Spanish in the booth today to communicate with some people from Latin America and stuff. So is there a big, which by the way, was awkward for them and <laughs> awkward sure. for me. Is there a big difference between, how a quilt looks in a photo and how it looks in person? So the thing is, of course, as with all art, I mean, one of the biggest things with a quilt in a photo is going to be scale. There are some unflipping, believably big quilts here. I mean, there's one that I took a picture of that you think are those real people standing in front of it because it is the biggest thing. I mean, it's bigger than two king size beds put together easily, plus maybe a little bit extra. I mean, it is, it's a long beast, baby, which is exciting. Cause you know, I mean, I think since the time we're children, we're drawn to things that are really, really big, you know? Um, and so it's, I, I remember, you know, getting a really big stuffed animal and thinking it was the most amazing thing you know, on earth. And I I think the same thing is true when we see scale that way. The other thing, of course, is that quilts are definitely a 3D experience, right? Even if they don't have actual dimensional items on them, such as buttons or beads or uh, couch threads or anything like that, um, one of the things is because of the quilting on them, as the name quilt suggests, they're three-dimensional. So there's texture and pattern and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things about this show is They do try to light all the quilts, but what they do is they light them for viewing in person. So there's really a spotlight on each quilt, but in a photo, what that does is really distort things. It makes the center where the spotlight is like a hot white, and then everything else is kind of a little bit in the dark. 
Um, so it's not great for photography. Nonetheless, I have been diligently snapping away and taking some video from my vlog and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, it's been good for my health. I've gotten my 10,000 steps, you know, and all that kind of stuff while I've been here. Yeah. Um, but well, that's because I take the long route to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, my favorite part of the event is always the people because a woman came by the booth today and she kept holding her phone up. I was in the middle of talking to somebody and she was holding her phone up to me. And I sort of finally turned to her and I said, hey, so you want to know whether you can cut that with your Scan and Cut, right? And she was like, no, I bought one from you last year and this is what I made with my Scan and Cut. Really? And I was like, wow, that's amazing. It was a beautiful quilt. It was a tiger's face, beautiful, gorgeous quilt. And she's like, okay. She's like, this was awesome. I'm about to now, you know, do the lion pattern from the same person. And I was like, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you like it. On the other hand, you know, I also run into people who say I bought it last year and I haven't taken it out of the box. <laughs> to which I always, well, I always tell them the story, which I think is important. As I say that, listen, the first time I ever encountered the scan and cut was in a focus group. And they put the machine down in front of us and they said, this is a machine that scans and cuts. And then they sort of left, you know. And so we didn't know anything, just sort of had to figure it out. So when I tell people it's intuitive, it's because that's the way that I learned it, which is I, I have literally never read the scan and cut manual. I don't know. And when people complain to me about it, I'm always like, sorry, I've never read it. I don't know what that says. Because I just start pushing things and playing with things until they work. And so I tell a lot of people that at the show, and I say, you know, you have to not be afraid of it. I mean, I'm glad that people watch my tutorial videos, but I also feel like there's an enormous benefit from not trying to do it the right way. I mean, yes, there are shortcuts that you learn and yada, yada. And I mean, hello, I take classes too and stuff all the time, and I love all that stuff. But there's also a great benefit to just doing it, doing it, and doing it, and doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's one of those things that's interesting. I, I also find it interesting too, because obviously this is quilt festival. And so most people here are sewers, although there are some scrapbookers and other crafters who come through because there's lots of just fun stuff for crafting of all kinds that they sell. Um, and, uh, one of, you know, one of the big questions people always ask is, you know, how do you cut fabric or, uh, I had a, I wouldn't say an argument, I had a disagreement with a woman at the booth today who said, my machine doesn't cut fabric. I said, your machine does cut fabric. She says, no, it doesn't. I said, you know, are you using the high-tack fabric support sheet? And she said, no, my machine doesn't cut fabric. And I said, yes, are you using the high-tack fabric support sheet? And she was like, no, it doesn't cut fabric. And, and we just had a moment where I couldn't seem to make her understand that there are steps you have to take. Mm -hmm in order to make it cut fabric, like making them out super sticky with the high-tech fabric support sheet. So I just sort of smiled and said, I'm sorry that it's not working for you and suggested, you know, she could take a class with one of the local stores or watch some of the YouTube videos, but she's clearly, uh, was just not interested that much. So that's always hard because I want to be polite and I want to be nice, but sometimes I want to be like, look, I, I promise you it's going to work, you know? So are there, other demos that you've watched from i wish no you I don't wish. have really any time they do not let me out of the booth i mean when i say i take the long route to the bathroom i'm serious when i say between 10 and 7 those are my breaks i mean waiting in line for like 20 minutes for lunch today i was probably the only person in the line who wasn't like "Ugh, this line is forever i was like i don't have to talk to anybody i'm just going to stand Aww. here i know so it's the same as like the you know 
this is one of the things that I've learned about conventions, which is the first few times that I went to any of them, it was like, I always did the, you know, went out to the official group dinner, which is like, you know, 20 or 30 people going out to dinner at a restaurant, you know, it takes forever. You're shouting over the noise to hear each other, blah, 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 blah. And it is fun in a lot of ways, but I also realized very much so that I'm here for business and not for social. And so a lot of times, which I did today is I was like, okay, peace out. I walked to the grocery store. I went to the salad bar. I got myself something healthy, you know, brought it back to my hotel room, shoved it in my face, sat down at my computer, did a little work, and now I'll go to bed early. I sound like a really terrible misanthrope. No, you sound like someone who's very focused on this is a business trip. Yeah, it is a business trip for me. Absolutely. I mean, I kind of feel about it the same way that like, um, I feel about when I was in New Orleans for the Golden Training, which is, you know, as fun a city as New Orleans was, it's like I knew I needed to go to bed each night at a reasonable hour or I'd be a wreck to make it through class the next day. And those are actually shorter hours being a student than these demo hours are, you know, in the booth. And one of the things that I'm always grateful for is, I have to tell you, I, I know sometimes people feel like, and because I'm being so grumpy on this podcast, it's also late at night, so I'm tired, but... Um, I think that uh, people worry about bothering you or coming up to you. And you know what? The best part of my day is when someone comes up to me and says, I watch your videos and they've really helped me, you know, because then that really makes all the work, you know, all the, all the worth, work, all the stress, all that kind of stuff really, really worthwhile to me. Because the thing is like when there's a human being at the other end who's really being helped rather than sort of a theoretical idea, you know, that someone's watching it, that's awesome. Um, so that's, that really keeps my spirit going all day. It makes me really, really happy to be here every single time. So I just encourage you, by the way, if there's anybody that you love, and obviously it doesn't have to be me, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, tell them, tell them that you love them. Tell them that you think you're great. I mean, um, I, I love it also when people are like, will you take a photo with me? Or if they want to show me a project that they made and you know, they're like, Oh, I'm sorry to be a bother or whatever. It's not a bother. That's the best part. Okay. Well, otherwise you wouldn't be at the show. The whole point of being at the show is to interact yeah. with people. Well, yeah. And I think like, that's the fun of it too, is that, you know, there was a woman today who came up to me and and you really do meet people from all walks of life. There was a woman to me who came up today and she said, you know, she was thinking of buying a scanning cup, but then the issue is, um, I said, oh, well, Christmas is coming, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And she said, well, she said, the problem is that there was this gun that she really wanted. And so it's one or the other, uh, which exactly. So it was one or the other. So I told her, I hoped that I hoped that she would get more use out of the scanning cut than her gun. Good answer. So uh, we'll we'll see which one wins out. Well, tomorrow maybe you'll be able to see some of the quilts and talk to us about them. Yeah, you know, so one of the things that I do is exhibitors can get into the hall like it's an hour or two before the show officially opens. So what I do, even though I hate mornings and I think they're an evil invention, is I get up at like, I got up this morning at 6.30 in the morning so that I could go down and look at some of the quilts. I got a waylaid by an hour-long business call this morning, unfortunately. So I'll have to get up early again tomorrow to see if I can do it again this time. But that's a nice thing to be able to go. And again, like with my church metaphor here, it's like to go and spend some time in some peace and quiet, just in enjoying some beauty. And it 
And while it's not, it's, I don't know why I feel like this, but it's almost like being in nature because there's just nobody talking and it's just totally silent and you're just looking at pretty things. Well, I can't wait to see the photos. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye. So, hey, so it's Friday. It's uh, the next day. I don't know the day of the week because my Fitbit, which is my watch, which also shows me the date, died today and uh, maybe committed suicide. I don't know. But it is unhappily no longer working. I am in a land without time. That could be good. Or it could be like <laughs> being in Las Vegas. It's true. Well, so, I mean, it is kind of like being in Las Vegas here. I mean, I am in a ginormous windowless room with, you know, light all day. And I never really have to let the outside air touch me at any point. I said to um, Cindy Hogan, who is my scan and cut co-demonstrator person, uh, I was like, oh, what day is it? And she was like, does it matter? <laughs> which was kind of funny anyway so that's the story of that so hey so so I actually there was I was thinking like what am I going to say today I don't need to explain what quilt festival is how is today any different than yesterday you know it's a great Passover question um and the answer is so this morning I got up early I did it I went so that I could see all the quilts and there was, I was taking a photograph of a quilt and photographs are allowed unless you see a little sign that says, you know, no photography. So I'm studying this quilt. I'm in love with this quilt. I'm taking a picture of it. I'm taking a close-up picture. I'm examining it. I'm reading about it. And I overhear a conversation between two women. So this one woman says, wait, you can take pictures of these? Because apparently for Quilt National, which is, this was an exhibit for Quilt National, you didn't used to be able to take pictures of it. And so the woman who's working there says, Yes, the artists wanted to be able to like post to social media and et cetera, et cetera. So they are fine with it. So then they ended it up in this huge conversation about why people taking photographs of quilts is a, such a terrible idea. Um, and a lot of it involves stuff like the woman who worked there saying things like, you know, the problem is people take the pictures of the quilts, but they don't take the pictures of who made it. So they don't actually learn anything and like all this kind of stuff. Um, and they were both sort of very, very negative about this. And I was thinking it was such a different attitude than my own, which I feel very positively about, you know, if you display your work in this way, I think your hope is that people are going to see it. And I think your hope is that people are going to be inspired and excited. And I think your hope is that, you know, um, people are going to be moved by it. And like, yes, obviously give credit uh, when you can, but also, you know, I could say that you're not learning anything if you don't uh, take a photograph of the person who made it is a sort of a weird statement. And then it kind of got a step worse for me because I said with a smile on my face to this woman, I said, you know, I don't think people are trying to be rude or anything like that. And sometimes maybe they're not taking a picture of the name of the person who made it because like this artist, and it happened to be a quilt artist who I know and love and is very iconic named Susan She. although I may not be saying her last name correctly, it's S-H-I-E. And if you look up any of her work on Google, you will be floored. Uh, it's my dream to take a class from her one day. Anyway, so she... I was standing in front of her quilt and I was loving it. And this woman sort of looked at my badge to see my name and then looked at me and said, yeah, well, I guess not everybody's as educated as you are. And sort of turned away and I thought, I thought a bunch of things. <laughs> <laughs> but what I, but what I thought inside is I was like, you know, this is what happens. A, um, when you stop being open to other people's points of view, 
you know? Because I was trying to say, like, how maybe this could be a positive. I wasn't trying to, you know, that maybe people know, these people are so famous that people already know them. And, you know, they don't need that information, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. And I just was also reminded, too, that I, I, I made a silent resolution to myself at that moment that every moment in the booth today, I was going to smile and be pleasant and be excited and happy and not ever make anybody feel like they had said something stupid or wrong or that they were less than or stupid or wrong. Because really, I mean, that's what she did to me in that one moment is I was trying to sort of engage in a friendly conversation with a different point of view. And, you know, she just made me feel, well, she made me feel bad about myself, um, which is, of course, as they say, nobody can make you feel bad about yourself. They only do what they do. And if you feel bad about yourself, that's your own choice. But anyway, um, I don't know. It just, I think it made me be more pleasant, more accepting, more understanding, um, you know, because everybody deserves, pardon me, to be heard. Is there a reason you're rocking back and forth? I only know it because, of course, we okay. do this on Skype. You can only tell because we're on Skype yes, and you can but see you are me rocking like back and forth. Rocking. You are filled with trying to... excess nervous energy and it is making me insane. Well, I can turn my camera off, Mom. Yes, I'm actually filled. I know this sounds crazy because I've been on my feet and working since early this morning and like yada, yada, yada. But like the thing is... Uh, so I was talking at dinner actually with this woman about this and she was saying, oh, she feels the need to stretch. And I said, it's so funny, right? Because we've been on our feet all day. And yet I was like, you know, yoga class actually sounds like a nice idea right now. And I think it's because like, A, I've had to be on really good behavior all day, you know? Um, and you have to be like your best self at all moments, at all times. You have to do all that stuff. And like, that can be very difficult. Anyway, so I have all this excess energy, I think just because, um, you know, like being on good behavior and doing all that stuff all day, it's just hard on me. I really am a loner in some ways or a introvert and I need a lot of time to myself. And so I think I have this weird energy now because of, uh, being around people for so much of the day. Wow. Maybe you need medication. Thanks, Mom. Between the rocking and the love that I get at home from you, I feel like maybe I do need medication. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can talk to someone about it. All right. So tell me about the day professionally. Fantastic day. Fantastic day. Because, you know, I, um, I know this sounds crazy, but one of the things about teaching that I love so much is getting people uh, excited about something. And sometimes it reinvigorates you to remember why what you do is so cool. And so yesterday, you know, I was very much in the, oh my God, I cannot answer this question one more time. I cannot do this demo one more time. And today I'm very much in the, wow, the way that people's eyes open and light up and get excited when they see how it works. Well, gosh, that just makes me excited. So even though I've answered a million times, put your high-tack fabric support sheet onto your mat, and I've had it, you know, hundreds of people go, oh, today I found that exciting instead of annoying. You're providing so knowledge. It also, well, the thing is, it also just reminds me that, like, attitude, I mean, this relates back to the woman this morning and the whole thing, like, attitude is your choice to a certain extent, and that 
also, you know, sometimes it's like you just need to get through it. It even reminds me of having um, artist block or anything like that or anything. It's like sometimes you just need to get through it. Get through your bad mood. Get through your crankiness about something and find the joy on the other side. And I've seen a lot of gorgeous quilts that you've posted on Instagram. I know there must be 20 for every one that you post. Tell me what you've seen that's particularly interesting. I mean, there's probably 50 for okay. every one that I post. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure that I'll be able to see all the quilts by the time I leave here. I've got two more days to get up early in the morning and make it in there because I really don't have the time during the day to get out of the booth. Um, so... I will say that what what are the quilts that make me so here's the thing there are quilts that I think are amazing I'm never going to try to do anything like that like there are some whole cloth quilts with hand stitching that I would be afraid to have anywhere near me for fear that I would hurt it or do some damage to it cuz it's like perfection you know and you know how much effort went into it um and then there are quilts that I think are amazing and awesome and I'd love to hang in my home or have on my bed or anything like that then my favorite category of quilts is quilts that make me say, OMG, I cannot wait to get home and try that. And what is the common to, thread of those? Um, so the common thread of that is one, stuff that's in my wheelhouse. Like um, when I see stuff that I, I know how to do, things that involve like Thermofax printing and stamping and you know, uh, paint sort of effects and stuff like that. That gets me excited. Or one of my favorite quilting techniques is from a Susan Carlson book. And there's actually a long, uh, series of her quilts at the show. And in fact, there was one that looks so much like a quilt I made for a friend. I did a double take. And I think one of the reasons I like her work is because, um, I think we have a similar aesthetic, you know, mm-hmm. um, and by the way, when I say that, I should say that it, it's a hundred times more likely that I'm aping her aesthetic than she's aping mine in any way, shape, or form, just to be clear. Um, but she, I just love her work. It's so expressive and interesting and takes advantage of fabric patterns and kind of stuff like that. Um, but the quilt that I, I think I'm like immediately want to head home to my uh, studio and make is a raw edge applique quilt that looks very much like paint strokes. And um, I posted it on my Instagram account, and it has sort of interesting uh, color choices, and it's just so beautiful, and it seems so doable, and it was, well, it was exciting, because it looks a certain way in photos, it looks a different way in person, it looks a different way when you get closer, it looks... It just, and it was good in all those places. Like, there are definitely some quilts that I took a photo and I was like, wow, that photo makes it look way better than it is in person. And then there were some quilts that I was like, oh, man, my photo stinks. This is, you know, way better in person. And then there were, uh, the magical quilts are the ones that just look the bomb in every form. You know, the design is tight and awesome, and that's why they look great from far away in a photo. The, you know, texture is and the stitching and the embellishments are vibrant and interesting. And that's why they look great in person. And, you know, to have that, um, it's not really duality because duality would indicate that it's two different things. Although maybe it is, maybe it is two different things. I don't know. Um, but to have that, to straddle both of those, I think is a mighty feat. And I think a lot of the art that we respond to in person 
um, has that duality because it's like some of the great paintings, like Van Gogh's, you know, work when you see it in person and when you see it in a photo, it's both stunning. I mean, I think one of my great disappointments with the Mona Lisa is that when you see it in person, it's like this tiny little thing. It doesn't have the same impact it does when it's, you know, in a photo. I don't know. Not that I'm saying that the Mona Lisa isn't a great painting, but what does that Leo guy I wouldn't know? hang it in my house. <laughs> I'm just saying. Are these Leonardo, not just a turtle. Um, I assume some of the quilts are for sale and some are not. Yes, yeah, so some of the quilts are for sale. Uh, and there are all these signs when you go around that say this quilt is for sale, this quilt is available for purchase, this quilt is available for purchase. Some of them have sold stickers on them. I am too scared to even ask what the prices on them are because I suspect that most of them are around like $10,000, $15,000. And that's that's a lot of money that I don't have. And what about, are, there must have been, right, prizes and contests and Oh, yeah. Tons of prizes, including lots of like, you know, you win $5,000, you win $20,000. Um, and there are lots of prizes that don't come with money, but just come with honor and recognition. And one of the fun things is um, if you have a quilt selected to be displayed at Quilt Festival, that's bragging rights right there. Okay. If you have a quilt that wins a ribbon at Quilt Festival, that pretty much means it's one of the best quilts, you know, around. And, I, and I, one of the things that I love is that many of the artists will stand by their quilts for extended periods of time and answer questions about how they were made. And yeah. they, you know, you can take a photo of them with their work. I mean, it's, it's really nice to have, I mean, the thing about living artists, right? It's really nice to have access to the artist at that moment. And it, there's something also just lovely to watch a woman. I mean, okay, they're not all women. Some of the quilters are men, but the majority of them are women. Um, to watch a person, um, sort of basking in the glow of work well done. Well, know? also because quilting is one of those solitary crafts a lot of times. And so yeah. here you get to be with your community. Yeah, and to also, I think, I think sometimes the workmanship of quilts, a, a, a quote-unquote lay person can possibly understand. I mean, I walk up to quilts and I'm sure I have no idea what was really hard and what was only just a little bit hard. You know, it's like at the circus, I remember going with someone um, who actually knew stuff and said, you know, a front flip is way harder than a back flip because you can't see where you're going when you do a front flip. And like the funny thing about that is, of course, when I see somebody do a back flip, I always think it's way more impressive than a front flip, you know? And so I think the same thing is true with a lot of quilts. Like certain things look hard, but are actually easy. Like I look at the quilts that are painted and then stitched. So what you do is you take a whole piece of cloth, you paint a picture, and then you sort of stitch over it. And I look at those and I say, oh, that's easy because I know how to paint. Do you know uh -huh. what I mean? And then I, I look at the quilts where somebody has pieced something together and I say, oh, that looks hard. You know, but somebody else who's very used to piecing would, would probably say the opposite, you know? And so I think you view things according to your ability. I was going somewhere with this, but I got lost along the way. What was I talking about? We were talking about prizes and awards and... Uh, oh, and people being excited about what they made and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I just think that, oh, workmanship and like, oh, talking to your tribe, talking to your tribe. Yeah, so it's definitely like if someone says to you, uh, oh, I used a shibori dye technique, you... I'm I'm using you as specifically you, Mom. I know you're probably... you're using me as the dumb person. I get it. 
I'm not using it as a dumb person. I'm using it as a person who doesn't quilt. You might sort of go, okay. You know, or even like if I say the word thermofax, or a lot of people don't know what that is, or if you say whatever. Um, so I think it's nice when you can talk to people who, when you say like, oh, I used a J foot to do this, and then I, you know, couched the threads, and they don't go, what is that? They go, oh my God, you did it that, that's amazing. How, how did you do that? And when you're like, oh, this is all fabric I had in my stash. And then people who quilt are like, what? You didn't buy any new fabric for this? You just mixed and matched from your garbage? You're amazing. Where I think normal people are like, and I care about that because why? So it's just nice to have your tribe around of people who like get it. I mean, I can only say that I know for myself that uh, this woman was in the booth on Wednesday and she had this like super blingy ring and I was like oh I like your bling and she's like oh no it's not real bling she said this ring is a thread cutter and I said what shut up she said yeah it cuts thread and then I just blinged it out and I was like shut up that's amazing and she was like yeah it's awesome I said and he she said there's a booth here I said really and then yesterday I saw some people wearing them and I was like oh my gosh I have to go and then early this morning I was like I have to find that booth and I walked straight over to booth to the booth, and I was like, hey, everybody in my booth has your rings. I have to buy some. And it turns out that they're actually, these people are going to be on Shark Tank, and they wouldn't say whether or not they got a deal because hmm. it hasn't aired yet, and they're not allowed to. But I bought two of them because I thought they were a fantastic idea and totally awesome. Um, and I hope, I hope they did get a deal. They feel like the kind of product that could get a deal, but I don't know what their business model is or whatever. But anyway... So, and I went back to the booth and somebody was like, oh, look at your blingy ring. I was like, oh, I just bought it there. And this, and one of the guys in the booth like went off immediately. He was like, which aisle is it? Which aisle is it? And he went off and I was like, I was like, do you sew a lot? And he was like, no, it's for my mom. Yeah, yeah. And like, I was just reminded that like having a community of people who get it is normal. People would not be excited about a stupid plastic ring that has four rhinestones on it. Do you know what I mean? They would just kind of be like, uh, okay. Or like a thread cutter ring. They'd be like, why is that exciting? Um, whereas people who sew are like unbelievably excited about it and like it is like somebody having it inspired me to go get it my going to get it inspired somebody to get it for their mom like I mean I just think it's like you have that kinetic energy of bouncing around with each other because you like the same stuff you groove on this you know what I mean I think that's amazing just from your excitement and then the other guy who works in the booth's excitement I hope the sharks funded them because it's clearly it's clearly something that appeals to people. Yeah, my only question about whether or not the sharks funded it is really whether they get it because sewing is a niche. Well, and I think a lot of times the sharks are interested in things that aren't so nichey, but I don't know. I feel Although I have to tell you something, I know you're trying to talk and I'm interrupting you. I apologize. And I'm so used sort of. to it sorry. that I just, I just fold up <laughs> in my little corner. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Uh, no. So one of the things is, so Angela Wolf, who um, is the host of It's So Easy on PBS, who works with the producer I work with for Make It Artsy and for Scrapbook Soup, she's here and she has one of the rings. And I was like, oh, you have one of the rings. Did you get that here? And she was like, no. She said she actually met this vendor a year or two ago because one of the things that she is, by the way, which I think is fascinating, is she's a professional fisherwoman. She enters tournaments hmm. in these four-man fishing teams, and she's incredibly successful, like wins all the time, has a million trophies. It's um, her husband 
and these two other guys and like, and they do professional fishing. And she said she actually met this guy in a fishing context because the rings cut fishing line. line. Yeah. And so on the boat, you don't want to have to have scissors in your pocket. It's so easy to grab a ring and to cut it. And of course they don't have blinged out. I was going to say, not rhinestones (laughs) probably. But they do have some like stars and stripes ones where like it's imprinted on the plastic and stuff like that and some like team logo things and stuff like that. But I thought that was really interesting because that actually made me think, wait a second, that really does make it mass market in a different way. Now I'm excited to watch Shark Tank. (laughs) You'll know something. Yeah. So that's kind of been my day. Okay. Well, you have uh, two more days. I have two more days, two more chances to see more quilts. I can do it. I can do it. I can make it around. My feet can do it. Well, because of the shoes you bought there. They do. I don't know if I said this yesterday, but I have these shoes that are absolutely amazing that like are the best convention shoes I've ever had in my entire life. I think I've talked about them before. Well, you talked about them last year because this is the quilt market where you bought them and you have gone now and bought some more. Yeah, I know. So they're called these walk the walk shoes. And I had worn my um, all of my different shoes that people say are great. I'd worn everything from sneakers to um, dance those go. shoes that the nurses wear dance goes. I've tried Crocs. I've tried like a million different things. And my feet always, 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 always hurt. And I was always like, well, maybe that's just life. And I swear to you. So yesterday I wore my sandals from this company and my feet did not hurt at all. So I immediately went to their booth like five minutes before the show closed. I bought two pairs of shoes. I wore them again today. My feet do not even remotely hurt. I am the happiest girl. On I'm the getting the some. <laughs> I'm going to order them by mail. Did, was the fit sort of normal? That is to say, if I bought them oh, by yeah. mail with my standard size, they would probably work? Definitely, because I wear a size nine. And so I'm wearing a, they're in European sizes. So it's like 41. Uh-huh. I think that's a size nine too, but they have a chart online that shows you, but yeah, the fit's totally normal. And I have very, very wide foot. And the nice thing that salesman told me is certain, um, certain styles would be better for a wide foot. You don't have a wide foot. So you don't even have to think about that. Well, I'm going to go to their website, which I assume you'll probably publish on the. Yeah. I'll put a whole bunch of stuff in the show notes so that people can, you know, see everything we've been talking okay and we'll talk to you tomorrow if you're lucky Bye. bye hey so it's november 8th and i'm back home and we thought we would wrap up this quilt festival podcast with i guess some perspective now that i'm back home huh yes and part of the reason that we didn't uh, podcast on subsequent days after the first two is because the days are pretty much alike the days when you're working the the convention. And so there didn't seem to be that much new to say. Although today on your blog post, I see wonderful, wonderful photos of quilts. And I assume there are two more days to come. So that's thrilling. Oh, two more days is hilarious. There's like five more days. <laughs> so here's the thing, which is so I... um. I was saying to, to to Suzanne, my assistant, you know, she's been a guest on the podcast, and I was saying to her, you know, look at all these photos that, were, you know, I was having her edit some of them, and I said, here's the thing. She's like, oh, my God, there's hundreds and hundreds of photos, and I said, I know, but here's the thing. Like, I didn't even take – I didn't even see all the quilts. I'm not entirely sure I saw them all, and I definitely took photos of, like, one of out of every five quilts that I saw, maybe – so, I mean, if you can only imagine what you're seeing. So that's why, like, so the quilt, uh, there are people who go to Quilt Festival for many days, for like five days. Um, and you, you could spend that entire time 
just looking at the quilts in the exhibition hall, never mind shopping, never mind taking classes, never mind going to lectures, never mind any of that stuff because there's so much to see. And the thing is, of course, the, with a quilt, I mean, as with a painting, although sometimes with a quilt, I think it's even more obvious. Um, what you see from afar versus what you see from close is very, very different because from afar you get sort of an overall design or picture and then up close you see those individual parts of like how it's stitched or where what the texture is and it's kind of like paint strokes but like exacerbated times 50. So if you were able to go to this quilt festival not as a demonstrator but just as a student like a real person. like a real person like a real girl yeah what would you have done? Um, I would have taken classes like a banshee without question because I think – so Quilt Festival is an amazing opportunity for, like, all of the best quilters in the world. I mean, and I do really mean in the world. Like, there are quilters from Japan, from Europe, from Australia, from everywhere. They're all there, and they're all teaching classes. If you – I mean, to a certain extent, I feel like I would – I'm not – even though the shopping is really awesome and fun and, of course, and all that kind of stuff, what's the, what's the real thing that's different? What's the real opportunity? I think it's the classes, but I'm kind of a class junkie that way. So are there a couple in particular that you wished you could have taken? Well, I have to tell you, there's a woman who I love named Susan Carlson, who's actually probably the she's the first quilting book that I read, and I was like, I'm going to do this. I don't even remember. I bought her book. I was on a trip somewhere. This is way back before I even knew really, really how to sew. I was sort of maybe um, – I was living in New York, recently out of college. As you'll recall, Mom, the thing I asked for for a college graduation present was a sewing machine, and I didn't know how to sew on a sewing machine. I had never used it before. Um, and I ended up getting it sometime when I lived in New York a couple years after I graduated. You bought it for me. Thank you. You're welcome. And um, I took some quilting classes at the City Quilter to learn to use my machine and how to quilt. And I took some classes at the Cambridge Quilt Shop up near you. To, and I remember the first quilt shop I took was with a friend of the family. I did not know how to use my machine. And it was kind of hilarious. So not only was she showing me how to do the project in the class, but she was basically showing me how to sew, which was awkward and terrible. But thank you, Missy Shea. Um, and then sort of as time went on, I started experimenting and then I found this quilt book by Susan Carlson somewhere along the way that was about making these fabric collage quilts. And what Susan Carlson does is she takes fabric and sort of fussy cuts it in interesting ways so that the pattern on the fabric becomes like if it's a animal, which is most of what she does is animals, it's like the scales on the fish, you know, and so all this fabric that you would never buy or never think of becomes transformed in this masterful way that she's collaging together, you know, this little bit of pattern and that little bit of pattern to create something totally different and I became entranced by it. I made a whole series of quilts um, doing that. I think there's one of them in my dad's house. My ex-husband still has one. There are some in them, some friends' houses. Like they were, it was just, it spoke to me as a way of creating. So anyway, she was there. I, I know this because I saw pictures of her online standing next to, there was a small exhibition of her work, which I did take pictures of. But of course, I didn't get to see her. And she was giving tours of her work, which I would have loved to hear. And I think she was teaching a class. So that is a particular person who actually means something to me in my journey and whose work I love and whose work I've copied and who I think is fantastic, who I would have liked the opportunity to learn from. So... Also, you talked about shopping. It's not just quilting supplies. 
No, because I came home with a pair of earrings, two pairs of shoes, and a shirt. <laughs> mm. And I didn't even have time to shop. I mean, that's literally, like, that is that I happened to, like, while I was taking the long route to the bathroom, see something and, like, be like, oh, okay, I have $10 for a pair of earrings. Or, like, so before the show one day, I stopped by this booth, which had had these really cute last year Picasso coats. And uh, I had totally regretted not buying one. Um, cause I had been like, I don't know, I don't know. Cause it was kind of on the expensive side. So I stopped into the booth before, like 15 minutes before the show opened because they were there setting up and I was on my way to the booth and I was like, Hey, do you have any of those Picasso goats? And they said, Oh, we don't have those this year. And then she started showing me all the stuff and she was such a nice little old lady. And she kept like, say, try this on, try this on. And I was like, Oh no. And I couldn't figure out how to get out of the booth. So I finally just bought something. <laughs> <laughs> so she's a good salesperson. She's too. a very good salesperson. Cause I just felt so bad. And she just, and I was like, Oh God, I, stop making me try stuff on and so finally I just bought like this denim shirt that I was like fine you know I can live with the denim shirt it's fine but it's not like it wasn't the Picasso coat that I wanted anyway and then these shoes which I know I've talked about previously which really saved my feet I had such happy feet after that first day I'm a very happy person and didn't and I think you've talked about the diamond ring quote unquote which is actually a thread cutter yes oh I did buy that I forgot so I bought that too can you talk a little bit about your interactions with the people who came and watched your demo? Yeah. So, I mean, people, it's interesting. So I am, uh, I think people come in a couple general categories. Okay. And I, I'm obviously overgeneralizing here. People are very, are individuals and unique, just like, just like snowflakes. Um, but what I was going to say, so I think like there are the people who are the looky-loos Meaning there are people who sort of just come to look. They're not actually going to buy the machine. I don't think there's anything you could say. Like you could say it spits out $100 bills and they're still not interested in it. But I would they, be. There you go. <laughs> they just, yeah, if you put in $1,000 and I'll give you $100. Uh, but, you know, they're just going to look. Right? Um, and then there are the people who uh, have heard of the machine and have specifically come to see something to either prove a point to themselves to basically to talk themselves into it or talk themselves out of it okay so your job is to tip the balance so there. my my job is to tip the scales there then there are the people who are um, existing users who've come by because they have questions they're looking for tips they have a problem or they want to show you their projects you know that they made and that they're excited about. Um, and a lot of people came by to thank me for videos and stuff, which is always awesome. Um, and then I would say the last category is people who sort of wander up and are like, what's this? And then little light bulbs erupt all over them. And that's always exciting because those people remind me how flippin' cool you know, the scan and cut is and like all the possibilities of it. And I remember doing a demo and this woman was in the audience, literally like mouth open and like, and she just said all of a sudden, she's like, I can't stop thinking. I can't stop thinking about what I could do. That is rewarding. Yeah. So that was really exciting. I really like that part of it. Um, so I would say those sort of are sort of the four major categories of people. Um, it's the same as I was telling somebody that the husbands or boyfriends who come with the quilters? And I am making a generalization. Some there are some male quilters, but for the most part, it's ladies. 
um, sort of come in four categories too, right? There's like the husband who um, is also a culture and a maker and very knowledgeable. And like often I would run into men who were like telling me about their scanning cuts and yada, yada, yada. Um, then there's the husband who would like a giant hole in the floor to eat him. He doesn't know why he's there. He can't stand one more minute of it. And he just wants you to leave him alone and not look at him. Um, then there's the husband who is like the enthusiastic, like, oh, honey, you need this. This would be so great for you. Like, I don't get it, but I can see you're excited. Like, I'll carry it for you. Let's do it. Um, then there's the absent husbands who are interestingly present because so many women say things like, well, I have to check with my husband or uh, my husband said that I can't get this because we're getting X or you know what I mean? So they're still present even when they're not there. Um, I will also say that, by the way, and I, I think I do have some video of this in my vlog and a picture on my blog. Oh, that all rhymes. Um, of the husband's lounge. Oh. Which which is an area that's always there at Cool Festival. It's always over at the end somewhere. It's got a bunch of Burka loungers and like a leather sofa. And there's like a football game playing on the TV always. Um, but it's a place for the dudes to have dude moments. I feel like that could be a me moment. <laughs> I feel like you would love the husband's lunch. Just so everybody knows. I have been... To scrapbook retreats, to CHA, to all sorts of craft events with my mother, who basically says, I will be in the room watching the game. And that's so, I guess you're my husband. Good job. Well, I, I give you support <laughs> by being there. It's true. It's true. It's true. But you want to see the game. I get it. I get it, Mom. Well, there are times when you ask me to uh, text you the score. So it's not as if I you're do. totally uninterested. It's true. I like my sports too. It's so, there. so you're going to Baton Rouge to somewhat similar thing. It's a sewing event, and all the other instructors I see on the list are teaching sewing classes, and there you are doing scan and cut some kind of project. Do you want to just talk about that and how you fit in with I a sewing a event? I may weird. So listen, there's tons of sewing stuff that you can do with a scan and cut. The problem is in a classroom setting, for us to do a sewing project with a scan and cut, it means everybody would have to have a scan and cut and everybody would have to have a sewing machine. So that's it's just too much equipment. Do you know what I mean? Because you mm -hmm. have a class of like 30 or 40 people. It's just it's there's just no way to handle that. Okay. Um, whereas so we're doing a no sew scan and cut project. It's a tote bag. We're cutting heat apply material, and I have some fun tips and tricks for people on doing that. We're using the new tools. We're um it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm I'm excited about it. Wow. Well, okay, so now I get it. Uh anything else you want to say about your trip before we come to the end here i mean i would say this i would say if you're at all tangentially interested in quilts or sewing or stitching or embroidery or any of that stuff i think that quilt festival is worth the trip out um to houston there's a smaller quilt festival in chicago uh, i think houston is the big bad boy but i think uh, i've never been to the chicago one but i'm assuming it would certainly be worth it um, and even if you're, if you're a person who's not at all interested in quilting or sewing, I did run into a lot of people there who were paper crafters who were just interested in, you know, design what was there and yeah. design and seeing those things. And a lot of people came up to the booth and said, Oh, I make cards. I don't make quilts, which was nice to see. So like that may be something that maybe it's not a destination show for you, but if you live nearby, certainly worth it. And, um, I would just say that 
my experience, I, I talked to a woman actually in the airport. I happened to see her bag and I said, is that a Susan Carlson tote bag? And she said, oh yeah, you know, oh, were you a quilt festival? And we just started talking. And as happens, you know, I said to her, you know, I just moved to Boston and I'm looking for my tribe of people. And one of the things that I do is I now, I go to classes, I go to my guild meetings, I try to find, you know, my people that way. And I think I hear from a lot of people who are sort of lonely crafters, for lack of a better word, or lonely artists. And like the internet does connect you and it is great, but there is nothing like having even just one or two people who you meet and really like who like get it, even if they're just vaguely near you. You know, so I just encourage you. I think events like this help you meet people in your area. I think, um, you know, anytime you can take a class, you meet people in your area. But just like if you're interested in meeting your tribe, people who are like you, like get out and do something with other people. There I agree. Go. I agree totally. Soapbox statement. All right. Okay, so I think that's all. Uh, anything else you want to add? No, except uh, uh, I do think that when you get out and you actually talk to people, I think that's where you find out whether you're, whether you're getting across or not. And I'm intuiting from what you've said and from what you've told me on the phone that people are, are finally understanding what the scan and cut does. Yes, they are. And they aren't. I mean, that's also the kind of hilarious thing, which is like an enormous number of people ask me if there was a laser in there. Um, but they don't have to know how it works. What I'm saying is in the past, what is it, two years, three years that you've been doing this? Right. The initial approach was nobody knows what this is. We have to I educate have to explain them. It. And I think well, that's, yeah, that's changed. And your videos as a result have changed. I agree, but and I would also say that, like, it just reminds me of when I first started designing stencils for the Crafters Workshop, I literally had to say, like, this is a stencil. This is how you do it. You know what I mean? And like tell people where they could buy cosmetic wedge sponges and like, you know what I mean? Which the whole reason I started using cosmetic wedge sponges is because that's what I happen to have around. And now it's like the industry standard for how you apply paint through a stencil. And I think it's like now you don't have to tell people how to stencil. Now they want to know higher level tips about I mean, it's just so interesting the way that happens. And I think the same thing is true with the scanning gut which is people are starting to understand what it does. And so you can start going a little higher level with it. Oh, I also want credit because while you were away, I had to go and pick up a <laughs> oh, bunch yes. of boxes I give you credit. for you that had arrived at your <laughs> apartment building office. And it happened to be all this golden paints and uh, uh, different things. Everything was incredibly heavy and I had to carry it in and I did it, and I want, I want a pra some praise for that. I give you super credit because when I tried to pick up the boxes to carry them upstairs, I was like, there's no way that she did this by herself. That's why I called you, and I was like, did you really carry these in by yourself? Absolutely. So good for you, little old lady. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. That's all I needed. <laughs> And I hope you're proud of her, too. Let us know in the comments if you're proud of Mom for carrying things. She's a little 70-year-old lady. And as always, you can find me at balzerdesigns.typepad.com. Um, and you can contact us at balzerdesigns.com backslash arting. We'd love to hear from you. And if you tweet about the show, and you should, please use the hashtag pound arting podcast, A-R-T-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. <laughs>